So we're going to jump into the word this morning. We're going to be in Acts, um, and we'll start in a couple of verses in chapter 4. <clears throat> and actually, before we go there, too, I think, Crystal, this is your last, you're, you're here next Sunday. This is your last Sunday. Okay, so Crystal is, it has new orders. Is it Louisiana? Uh, San Diego. San, oh, San Diego. So do you mind if we pray for you real quick before? As, all right, I'll come to you. <laughs> so let's, let's uh, pray over um, Crystal, guys, as a family, as she heads out. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for Crystal. I thank you for, um, even though she has had this kind of short stint here, I thank you for her connecting uh, uh, to this community, Lord, for the experience of just getting to know her. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that as you lead her into this next season, God, that it would continue to be a season of growing deeper in you, uh, becoming more connected, Lord, and then um, just your anointing over her life to just flow through her into every part of the work that she takes on, Lord. We know that you have designed her and commissioned her for this very purpose. So let your purpose prevail through her life. We trust you with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So Acts chapter 4. Uh, let's get into there. 11.19, we're doing okay. So as you guys know, so next week, just to reiterate what's going on, because I think there's been some confusion with a few people. Um, and that's not your problem. That's just because there's a couple different things happening at once. There's home church, which is happening next Sunday. It's a one-time deal. So church is not happening here at 215 Forest Avenue. Church is happening all around Aquidneck Island and then even in a few places in Bristol. So that's the reason that we've had actually sign-ups on the wall over by the bathroom because you sign up for either the town that you live in or the town that you would like to go to church in and in the next few days, you're going to be hearing from us. You're going to receive an email with the address and the time and any details that you need to, to let you know, hey, church is here. And so that's just a one-time deal. That's just Sunday, next Sunday, which is completely different and separate from the home groups. The home groups are ongoing groups that are happening in various homes around the island. And those are ongoing groups that are going to be happening, and they're different nights of the week. You can kind of choose um, if and where you would like to get plugged in with that. The whole idea is this, and we're going to talk a little bit about this here this morning. In Acts chapter 2, 46, it talks about the first community of believers and how they met on a regular basis in the temple, so they met at church, and they met in their homes. So they, they were sharing life together. They didn't just kind of come to this uh, communal corporate place of gathering at the building, but they met in each other's homes. And this community, they, they flourished. They were healthy and they were growing and the Lord was adding to their number on a regular basis and they were being discipled. And a big part of the reason for that was not just because they met corporately in the temple and heard the teaching from the disciples, but also because they were in each other's homes fleshing this stuff out, talking some of these ideas through and getting what they're learning from the disciples, the teaching, and they're working it out in their heart and they're engaging it with their lives. And for us here today, this is a big part of where we're missing it. We get this whole Sunday corporate church thing, but then we fall short when it comes to engaging in one another's lives. That space where we take what we're talking about, what we're learning, and, and wrestle through it together, we're missing that. And so what happens is that whole discipleship process, kind of owning our faith and going deeper into the deeper things of God, the sister, it, it kind of falls apart there because we're not connecting. 
one with another. So this is why, this is why we're emphasizing so much the importance of being together in our homes. So home church next Sunday is really just to kind of like help us initiate getting into one another's homes. Yeah, it's going to be a little awkward. Walking through the threshold of a house that you've never been to, some people that you're relatively familiar with but don't know a whole lot about, like it's going to be different, but we're all in it together. This is a new endeavor. This is like an adventure. That's the way I'm seeing it. And so we're going to say, you know what, Lord? Here I am. Let's see what happens. Let's see how this is going to play out. And so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where the Lord kind of takes us from here as a church. But really, we're just pursuing God. We're not here to say, God is doing X, Y, Z. So here on this date, we're going to do this. Then we're going to do that. Then we're gonna, like, we don't feel like we have it all mapped out. What we do know is that the Holy Spirit is on the move, and we are committed and dedicated. We are determined to follow his leading. And I don't know what two steps or three steps or four steps from now look like, but I know what the next one looks like. And in time, we'll know what the following step is. And that's what it means to walk by faith and just trust him with every moment, right? We're just following him, letting him have the lead instead of kind of trying to keep the Holy Spirit on a leash and say, no, no, this way. Come on, come on, this way. No, we're going to go this way now. No, no, we follow him. We follow his lead. So let's, let's say a word of prayer real quick. Lord, thank you that you are on the throne of our hearts. Thank you that you are our Savior, our God, and that you have purpose and meaning for every component, every, every uh, facet of our lives. And I thank you that your purpose is being accomplished in us, and so we can remain at peace no, no matter what we face. We can maintain peace knowing you're in control. Our lives are surrendered to you. And so whatever it looks like today, your purpose is being prevailed, Lord. And in that way, we glorify you by surrendering to, to your will and to your way. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to share just briefly on um, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Has anybody heard this story before? I got a few yeses, yeah. Yeah, when, when the Lord was putting this in my heart, I'm like, really, God? I'm going to talk about that? <laughs> Some of those things aren't so pretty, but there's a lot of deep lessons that we can glean from that. So before we even jump into that, which is in actually Acts chapter 5, I want to set the tone a little bit, the context of what's happening in the community that's leading up to this, this interaction with Ananias and Sapphira, and then the Apostle Peter. So we know that in those first chapters of Acts, chapters 1 through 4, this is the new community of believers. The Holy Spirit had just descended upon the, the believers for the first time ever. It was after Jesus ascended, now the Holy Spirit came and filled believers. Up until this point, the Holy Spirit would work among people, but not within and this was the difference starting in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came and filled the believers and didn't just work around them, but now worked in and with and through that community of believers. And so now we see all through what is happening in that community with this infilling, the Holy Spirit is empowering them. He's bonding them together and he's taking this community of people and he's melding them together as one. And one of the effects that we see in this community as he's melding them together is this boldness. There was, there was an assurity 
of the power and the presence of God in and among them at all times. And so whatever they do, they do with boldness. And God is using that to reach the whole community there. That's kind of like uh, a common theme in these first chapters is the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. And for, in Acts 4.13, it even says this. Let's look at that. When This is when Peter and John were standing before some of the local authorities. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So when these local authorities had called Peter and John to task because they weren't happy with what they were doing, they noticed a couple things. One, they, they, learned, they saw that they were just a com- common men that were unschooled and uneducated. And the second, they realized that they had been with Jesus and they were full of power. See, there's this, this common thing. Sometimes I think, too, that education can kind of get in the way of the Holy Spirit using us. That's not to say there's no value in it, but sometimes when we allow the value of education and learning to elevate over the value of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that's where we get the system in the wrong order. The Holy Spirit and the power that he brings comes before it, all of it. But they recognized this. They recognized that these were common people, but they were full of the Spirit of Jesus, and there's confidence and there's power that came with that. Jumping ahead to verse 31 in Acts 4, it says, After they prayed, the place where the believers were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, here it is, they spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly. In verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. And this is interesting. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. See, as the, as the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully amongst them, this group is growing together. They're growing in unity, and at the same time, they're growing in number. It, so by the end of chapter 4, the number of them had grown from a little over 100 to well over 5,000 people in a matter of days. The church is just exploding. This community is exploding. And they're, at the same time as they are growing so rapidly, they're also growing in unity. Sometimes when things begin to grow, that unity is hard to guard because when more people come to the table, there's more variety, there's more diversity, and all of a sudden the unity kind of gets sacrificed because the, the numbers are coming. But they're operating in one heart, one mind, one soul, all being driven by that one Holy Spirit that's working amongst them. And then it, and then it says here in that, in that 32, they didn't claim that any of their possessions that they had was their own. That's so crazy. It goes on to say that from time to time, believers who owned property or houses would sell them and then bring the proceeds to the feet of the disciples to now give to those who were needy in the community to be dispersed as needed. This is amazing, absolutely amazing generosity that was being experienced. This, this group of people were so tightly bound together, they were committed to one another, and they, they put even their, their finances and their resources, they were putting whoever has need. And instead of even going directly to the person, like I see you're in need, no, they brought it to the disciples to disperse as needed. 
So they shared everything in common. It was almost, it was a form of communal living. This is even the, this is where the, 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 the word com- communism even comes from, this idea of communal living. But communism is very different from Christ-hearted community. Communism says, what you have is mine. You're obligated to give that. That doesn't really belong to you. Whereas the communal heart of Christ says, what I have is yours. There's no obligation. There's, there's just absolute free will. It flips the whole system on the head. It is mine. It was mine, but I give it to you freely. This is why Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 5 when he said this. In Matthew 5, 40, Jesus said, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt and say, that's mine, you need to give that to me. If anyone does this, hand over your shirt and your coat as well. You give freely. We don't give because we have to. We give because we have the freedom to do so. He goes on to say, if anyone forces you to walk one mile, go two miles. We don't give because we're required. We give because the heart of Christ in us says, what I have has been entrusted to me by God, and I'm going to use it to edify those around me, to bless those around me. And so the Holy Spirit is moving in this community in a mighty way, effectively bringing this unity amongst all of the disciples of Christ. And so now they're in complete unity, right? And at the same time, as God is moving and adding to their number, they do begin to face some opposition. So the local authorities, the religious leaders are calling them to task, trying to shut down what is actually building momentum. And they're not happy about it. So the church is facing this opposition, but it's all external. It's all on the outside until we get to chapter 5 and 6 of of Acts. In chapters 5 and 6, all of a sudden this opposition, this adversity that's happening from the outside now begins to kind of penetrate and work its way to the inside. And you'll see the the two reasons that jump out in chapters 5 and 6. It's about stuff. It's about possessions. Money and provisions are what sparks this adversity from the inside. So let's read the first couple verses of Acts chapter 5 where he says this. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Well, that was nice of him. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart so that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but you have lied to God. So we learn from this lesson that if you sell something and you take the profit from it, if you give it, it's because Satan has filled your heart. Come on, guys, work with me here, really? No, this is not the, holy cow. I feel like you're going to walk away like, oh, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I got to keep it all to myself, and then I'm holy. <laughs> wow. Oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> the truth is this story has nothing 
to do with money. It has nothing to do with generosity. This story has everything to do with hypocrisy and with standing in opposition to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Peter stands before Ananias when Ananias came and said, here, I sold my property and here's all the profit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit quickens Peter and he says, that's not everything. And he, said, and he tells Ananias, why have you done such a thing? That was your property. You could do whatever you want with it. Nobody asked you for it. Nobody told you to sell that and then give the money. Why did you do this? Like, what, what made you decide to just claim that you were doing something that you weren't doing? Like, you just decided to, like, up and lie. You had no need for this. This was not necessary. But he wanted to do it because he was putting on a front. He sees this happening around him. He sees people beginning to, to sell their property on occasion and now giving it all. And he sees, oh, wow, what a holy person. That person is becoming, like, an influential person in that community of disciples. And so now they want to be viewed in this way. And so he comes and claims that he is giving, although it's not really the truth. You know, the word says that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, here, Ananias and Sapphira, not only were they not cheerful givers, they were false givers. They were said they're giving one thing, but it wasn't really there. And so it wasn't about the gift. He could have very well said, that here's, here's a portion, we, we kept some of this, but here's a portion of what we sold. Okay, fine, uh, thank you. That's amazingly generous. But there was no need to now go and put upon upon this this false impression that you just gave the whole thing. So they were given this appearance of of generosity, this, this form of godliness, but it was absent of integrity. If there's no integrity underneath the surface, then what is there? It's just hollow. There's nothing there. And this is what was happening in Ananias' heart. See, if he choose not to do, if he was choosing not to do what he saw people around him doing, that's fine. But don't go around claiming and pretending that he was among them and working in that way. So then Peter goes on, and what he said in verse 4 was, you have not just lied to humans, but to who? God. You lied to God. See, I can, I can get why many of us, a lot of times, we want to put across an image of a particular way we want to be seen or we want to be viewed. I get that temptation there. But I think it's so strange when we try to hide things from God. That's the most odd thing, like to try to hide things from God as though he can't see us and and through us, as as though he, he doesn't know us. I think it's so strange because... Like, even in our, our, our attempt to hide things from God, if we're aware that we're doing something we ought not to be doing, there's a conviction that kind of comes with that. And that'll kind of like weigh on us. So I think, I know that when we're struggling with this, sometimes we even try to look the other way and kind of operate in ignorance because if we don't know we're doing the wrong thing, then are we really guilty of it? And so we deny our awareness that it's the wrong thing so that we can deny the guilt that comes with it. But in our heart of hearts, deep within our soul, you know the Holy Spirit is making it very clear. 
And so when he makes it clear, there's a responsibility that comes with that. We have to follow that conviction. He's telling us this for a reason. We can't sit here and try to justify our actions. I, I, I um, was thinking about this point, and I remember when I was a teenager, probably one of the, this is probably among the worst things I've done, which hopefully it's not that bad. I remember going back to my teenage years and wanting to go and um, do things maybe I shouldn't be doing. And I would tell my parents, I'd tell my dad, oh, yeah, um, we're just going to pick up my buddy and we're going to go to the movies. Or I'm going to go to my buddy's house. And so I'd hop in the car and would drive to the movie theater through the parking lot and then, and then over to my girlfriend's house. <laughs> I went to the movies! <laughs> we want to justify our actions, right? <laughs> but hey, you know what's really going on. <laughs> the Lord sees through all of these things. He knows what's up. This is what, I think this is what one of King David's greatest strengths was because he was well aware that God, God's eyes were on him at all times. In Psalms 139 where it says, where can I go to hide from you, God? If I go to the heavens, there you are. If I go down to the depths, there you are. I love in verse um, 12, 11 and 12, he says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and now the light will become night around me. Now, I, now I'm hidden. No, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is just as light to God. He sees it all. And so that's why this idea of hypocrisy and trying to, to put on a front, trying to be someone that we're really not meant to be, God hates that. He made us who we are, and he wants that expression of who we truly are to be able to come out transparent for all to see, to participate in genuine community. I'm not, I'm not relating and conversating and getting to know you based upon who I'm telling you I am, but in my heart, my heart is now connecting with you because this is just who I am. We're conversating in, in, the, in the deep places. God hates hypocrisy. He sees right through it. You know, in 1 Samuel 16, it says that man doesn't look, God doesn't look at man the way we look at one another, but he's, he looks at the heart. So whatever it is that we're trying to do over here on the front, he doesn't even see that. He sees right through the whole thing. He's looking into the deep places of our heart. This is where he sees. So here's Ananias and Sapphira, and, and they're moving, and they, they see some of this stuff start to happen. They say, wow, look at that. That's amazing. And they're probably in awe at what they were seeing happening around them, people giving generously. And they said, oh, we want to do that too. Oh, but let's just hang on to some of this, and we'll just go, we'll go tell them what we did. They wanted to be regarded highly. They wanted this, this status, this, this influential place among the community. It was the wrong motivation. That wasn't even the worst part of it, though, that they were wrongly motivated. We all struggle and wrestle with our, the motivations in our heart because we can do good things. It was great to give a portion of their, their sold land to the, to the disciples. That's, that's amazing. And so we have to be careful, too, for our motivations of do, even doing good things. But the worst part of what they were doing was not about having a wrong motivation, it was literally about lying to everybody about what they were doing. It was their dishonesty. Because when we're not honest with one another and who we are, we're building up these walls between one another. Because now I'm not really connecting with you 
because I'm not showing you who I really am. I'm showing you what I want you to see. Well, the Lord is pushing us together and say, I want you to know one another. I want you to be actually together. The Lord is working to tear walls down, and here they are stacking brick upon brick. And it's just starting. And this community is so fledgling, it's so in its infantile state that the Holy Spirit was not going to let any of this fly. He's going to shut it down before it can gain any momentum. Peter said, you've lied not just to man, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 25 says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. It goes on to say, whatever you didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. This idea of our interaction with one another, it's a lot more than meets the eye. Our conversations with one another, how we treat one another, is not just me treating you and interacting with you this way, but our interaction with one another is interaction with God himself. The way that we treat one another, we're treating God this way. It's interacting with him. It's not just between us, because anything between us is between him. In a, in a Christian community, our relationships aren't like a sidebar from our relationship with God. Our relationship is because of God. It's through him. He's at the center. And so that has to be revered. He has to maintain that place. So the here, um, let's, let's, finish, let's read the last few verses of this story, and then we'll wrap up. So we read to verse 4, you've lied to human beings, uh, not just to human beings, but to God also. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Verse 9, Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord. Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I wonder why they got so scared. Died at his feet. Just picture the scene. So Ananias and Sapphira, they're walking up and giving, which is probably in those days like thousands upon thousands of dollars, and say, here, this is for the community. And Peter's like, you're lying to me. And the guy drops dead. I wonder what they did with the, with the money at that point, if they still kept it for the community. <laughs> How crazy is that? And it says, great fear seized all who saw, all who were around. And it's not even just fear, but reverence. Remember this, all through these first chapters, what's happening in this community, the Holy Spirit is doing mighty miracles. It says in multiple places that he's working signs and wonders all about them. He's there in power. His presence is a powerful, powerful thing. But at the same time as this, his presence was there, it's powerful, but he is holy. And so he does all of these wonderful, amazing works, but then when we approach him, 
With evil, evil cannot stand in the presence of God. Evil must be destroyed and vaporized in the presence of a perfect and holy God. And so when we have the presence of God increasing and growing amongst us, so do the standards that we live by. He's calling us to live according to new standards. He's raising that bar. And at the same time as he raises it, he fills us with that very spirit that we need to live according, accordingly. He doesn't raise it and then say, okay, see if you can jump over this one now. No, he empowers us to do the things that he requires of us. Holy Spirit is there among the believers tearing down walls. Tearing down walls of race, of gender, tearing down walls of economic status and power structures, all of that. He's bringing people together in complete unity. And in Ananias and Sapphira's hypocrisy, they became an internal threat to what, what was God doing in the community. They acted in opposition to the Holy Spirit for the purpose of personal gain. They were among the community, undoing the work that the Holy Spirit was doing, standing in direct opposition to it. Matthew 12, 30, said, Jesus says this, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so the Holy Spirit is doing the work of gathering, and here's Ananias and Sapphira attempting to scatter what the Lord is gathering, and he was not having it. They were there building up these walls of, of dishonesty, of secrecy, of distrust, and the Holy Spirit called them out. For us as a church, and I, just, I don't say, let me not say this, let me not say Graceway, because we're all the church. As God's church in the time that we are living in now and in the season that he is ushering us into, he's leading us to a place where he wants to do this again, this uniting, this coming together of his people again in a major way. This is how he's working. Uh, last year, at some point, we had received a, a word from the Lord talking about how he is he's creating this one big picture, this grand, grandiose picture with us as a puzzle, and where all pieces of that puzzle. We all belong connected. We all are shaped a particular way and we're made to fit into the whole picture a particular way. He's calling us together to be one because the image is only complete when we're all together. This is what he's doing. He's renewing us as a community and as a people. In order to get to that place, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to take down walls in our own heart that keep us from coming closer together. We have to give him that space and that authority. And at the same time, we have to maintain sensitivity and be aware that our own actions, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we speak to one another, don't inhibit or oppose what he's trying to do. They don't create isolation or division amongst the body. We do not want to stand in active opposition to what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. See, I feel very strongly like we as a, as a community, so as Graceway community, this is a community of people that is hungry for God. Like we want to learn, we want to know, 
We want to grow. We want the real thing. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of things people or or, or or groups they're just kind of like dabbling. Just wet my appetite. Where God is inviting us to the table to feast with what He has prepared for us. We're a community that wants the real thing. But the question we have to ask ourselves is this: Are we ready to actually receive it? He's inviting us to come and sit down at the table and feast with Him. And when I when I think about this, I get this visual like we hear the call. We can tell that dinner is being prepared and we've come and we've come to the doorway. We're standing at the threshold and we're, we're close enough where we can, we can kind of, we can get a whiff of what's being prepared from the kitchen. We kind of smell the food being ready. We can kind of see the ingredients. We can see what components are being put together to make this thing happen. But we're not close enough to taste it yet. It almost feels like I know there's something real. I know there's something special and something like I've never tasted before, but I don't know if I dare take another step closer. And God's saying, come, it's for you. This whole thing is prepared for you, and I have your well-being in mind because it's all for his glory and for the strengthening of the body. His purpose is to prepare a perfect bride without spot, without stain, without wrinkle. This is what he's doing in us. And in order to, to get to that state without wrinkle or stain, we've got to listen to every call. We've got to receive every instruction and respond to it. This is what he's doing in us. As his presence continues to increase in us as a community, so will the power amongst us, the things that we're going to see and experience all around us, and so will the responsibility of what we do with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We must maintain not only sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, but submission, active obedience and surrender to the Holy Spirit so he can complete his purpose, so we can be a community that he trusts. Because when he speaks and when he moves, we do it. He can trust us. Final verse says this, in, in um, verse 11, let's read 11 and a couple following. So after this happened with Ananias and Sapphira, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and the believers used to meet together, all the believers used to be, meet together in the Solomon's colonnade. Now watch this. Verse 13, no one dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So these believers were highly regarded and respected in the community, but no one dared to join them. Would you? I think they knew that this was the real deal. In their heart, they weren't ready to surrender their heart, so they didn't dare go anywhere near that kind of power that was being displayed amongst them. But check this out. Are you kidding? Watch this. No one dared join them, but watch verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number by the day. No one dared join them because of the power of God, but yet daily more were being added to their number. This is the catalyzing effect of the Holy Spirit in power amongst people. The Holy Spirit has this power. It's, good. it's like a magnet. 
depending on which way it turns, depending on who the Holy Spirit is calling, either it's going to draw you in and you're going to be added to the number because you recognize God and you want him and all that he has for you. Or it has this repelling factor, the power of God, you just run away from it. And this is what we see here in this community. People didn't dare join them, but at the same time, others were magnetized and growing and running towards it. And this is one of the things that we see. And where we stand from our trajectory, is it's all about this. It's just being aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing and making sure that our efforts and our initiative is not in opposition to it, but is in alignment with what he's doing. So this is my challenge to us as, as a body as we continue to pray and seek the face of God, that he would help us to listen actively, to listen to his voice all through the week, not to come to church on Sunday morning and say, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Now I'm tuned in. I got my Bible ready. I got my, my water, my coffee. Like, okay, Lord, now speak to me. No, all through the week, actively listening to what he's saying. And so now when we come together as a community on Sundays, now it's just one another echoing what God has been speaking in our lives all week. This is, that's church. That's, that's a Christian community. This is what he's doing in us. Let's pray together and we'll wrap up. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in us. Thank you so much that you trust us enough to give us the revelation of your word and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Wow, man, you trusted us a lot when you fill us and you gave us the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us, Father, to revere your spirit and allow you the freedom for your spirit to exercise the gifts that you've given to us to live out through us the way you want us to live, to speak the way you want us to speak. And we pray, God, that you would just be absolutely glorified in everything that we do, Lord. We lean on you today, Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.